Jackson, being Steven Jackson, <laughs> started talking trash, and Michael got furious and started trash talking to to Steven Jackson. And not only that, he started killing him. It was all, only at half court. Half court. This is a 50, I think it was 50 or 51. Hi, I'm Mikey Domagala, host of Inside Buzz. There's only been one Mexican-born player to be drafted in NBA history, and I'm lucky enough to have him on today's show for episode 12. Eduardo Najera officially put Mexico on his back and officially introduced them to NBA basketball when he was selected 38th overall in the 2000 NBA draft by the Houston Rockets. Eddie Najera played 12 seasons in the NBA, including having his best years with the Dallas Mavericks and Denver Nuggets. He led both teams to the playoffs, and of course, he played alongside many legends like Dirk Nowitzki, Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, and even played under Michael Jordan in Charlotte. If I went through the entire list, and I will in the interview, of the players he played with and the coaches he played under, you wouldn't even believe me. After his playing days, he was the head coach and the GM of the NBA D-League's Texas Legends, where he put in the work for three years. Today, he's a scout for the Dallas Mavericks. Eduardo, welcome to Inside Buzz. I hope you and your family are staying safe during this quarantine. What are you hearing about the 2019-20 season resuming? Just following the uh, gossip around social media, throughout meetings, uh, there was a lot of speculation of, you know, canceling the remainder of the season and perhaps the playoffs, pushing it towards the end of the summer. And it seems like uh, they finally uh, made a decision, although it's not for certain, uh, at least not in my opinion, but it seems like we're going to reassume the entire or the rest of the season in Orlando and obviously uh, we'll take over in the playoffs. So I'm excited about it because we were in a good spot as, you know, representing the Mavericks. We, uh, we're excited about the team, the young team that we have. And I'm looking forward to seeing these uh, younger guys performing in the playoffs. So Eduardo, let's start from the beginning for your career. You know, forget all the NBA games you played in, all the playoff games you won. You're 14 years old, six foot eight, throwing a baseball 80 miles an hour. Your focus is wanting to become a baseball player. How'd basketball get in the mix there? And, you know, how'd you become a pro basketball player? That's, that's a great question, uh, Mike. My father was a, a baseball player. He, he was a good one, too. I remember seeing him play multiple times when I was a kid. I tried to follow his footsteps. However, when I was 14, I grew about eight inches in one summer. So I'm, I'm, I'm a July kid. So when I turned 15, I was raised 6'8" living in Mexico, squeezing my 16-size shoe into a 12. And obviously, when I went to my freshman year in high school, it's a little different than, than the U.S. Uh, at 15, I was going into my freshman year, trying out for a uh, baseball team. Uh, and by the way, that's how you, you get accepted to the school. You know, if you have some sort of talent uh, with athletics, they, they give you an opportunity to, to go to school there. So it was a, a pretty... Uh, high-end school that I went to. However, the baseball coach literally just looked at me as a giant, of course, a 6'8", living in Mexico, and he was 5'5", uh, 5'6". Five, 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 um, so he said, you know, I don't even want you to try out. You're not good for baseball. You're too tall. 
and too slow, and he suggested that I try out for basketball. Now, I did play basketball growing up. I play all sports, of course, uh, but basketball came easier for me. I'm the youngest of, of five brothers, and I used to just kick their butt in, in the basketball court to the point there was a lot of fist fights. However, you know, I, I never played organized basketball. I never played growing up. Uh, I was never a part of a team. When I went from baseball to basketball, then I fit in, you know, it was just an environment uh, that was there that I didn't know. There was a lot, of, a lot more guys my size uh, that were always into the game of basketball, but I was a rookie and, you know, I, I don't even think I could walk and whistle at the same time back then when I was 15, but it took a lot of work, a lot of dedication, uh, but the key was that when I was 15, a coach literally killed my dreams as a baseball player, but it also gave me the opportunity to migrate somewhere else, and I grew the passion for the game of basketball at 15 years old. Crazy story, man. And when was it exactly that you realized, you know what, I'm going to let these baseball dreams, you know, you know, I'll put those on the back burner. I'm going all in for basketball. When was that moment? I went to the University of Oklahoma, so when I got to college, uh, I wanted to play both, both sports. I do basketball and baseball. At that time, I was already 18, so my basketball skills developed rather quickly. And of course, it was mainly talent. I was taller, faster, stronger than most of the people. Uh, but I did practice a lot since I migrated to basketball. However, I still had that itch to play, to continue playing baseball. Uh, because of my father, my father gave me a hard time. I mean, he, he said basketball was for, of course, you know, he was a, a macho, typical macho man that was used to, used to tell me basketball was for women and all these little things in my brain, planting negative seeds. At the end of the day, I, I'm glad that I did not listen to him. <laughs> but it, did took, uh, it took me a while to get over the hump in terms of continuing uh, trying to play in, trying out for baseball, and I believe it was my sophomore year in college when I said, okay, this is a great opportunity that I have, not only to have a basketball career, but also to use basketball uh, to get an education, and that's when I became really serious about basketball. Did you idolize any basketball players at the time, or were you basically all idolizing baseball players? My idol, obviously, was my father uh, growing up. Then I moved on to uh, Fernando Valenzuela. <laughs> he was a hell of a pitcher back in the day, playing for the Dodgers, threw non-hitter uh, or had non-hitter games. He was the uh, idol as a baseball player. Then the 90s came about, and I remember watching uh, Magic against Larry Bird, the Celtics against the Lakers, you know, the Lakers and the Celtics were sort of the teams in Mexico to, to kind of watch, but it was throughout the world and mainly in the U.S. When the 90s came about and the Bulls started obviously dominating, I literally started following Michael and idolizing Michael Jordan just like any other kid at that age. I was 15 uh, back then when, when they won the, uh, the first NBA championship, and I also was getting into basketball. However, I, I figured out that I couldn't float in the air. I didn't have the jumping ability. 
I really didn't have anything <laughs> to compare myself to Michael. And I started seeing Scottie Pippen as the guy that kind of started idolizing on the basketball court, uh, you know, because he was more of a versatile type of player. I always wanted to, to play all positions, uh, 6'8", 15 in Mexico. They obviously, they say, no, 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 you just stay in the pain. You're the center, just get all the rebounds. You just don't dribble, don't shoot, don't, don't do anything. And I was like, wait a second, I, I can do all these other things. Uh, so, you know, Scotty Pippen was the guy that I started sort of mimicking my game, you know, towards his game. And, and it worked because then I, I ended up being sort of a point guard uh, playing in Mexico and even throughout different levels when I got to the national team at 18 and I was already pretty good in Mexico for the basketball level uh, I'm talking about. And I, I was kind of the point guard of the uh, national team at 18 and, and it really helped me develop multiple uh, skills and abilities uh, by not listening to some of the coaches in Mexico. But he was a guy, if I have to pick a guy that I – follow footsteps and idolize for the most part was uh, Scotty Beaver. You know, at the time, I'm not sure how big basketball was in Mexico. You know, you could fill me in on that, but what were your parents and people at back home feeling about your basketball decision? Uh, my dad, my dad didn't really support my, my, um, you know, my decision to continue with basketball. My mom did. However, moms, you know, they're always great. They, they always support the, their child no matter what they do. Uh, and that's what a mother is supposed, supposed to do. Uh, my brothers and sisters, they didn't really know my ability. They didn't really uh, see it at the beginning. However, when I got to the University of Oklahoma, uh, and it took me a, a lot of work, a lot of, you know, discipline and, and um, consistency in, in my game, but that's when my family and friends, because I, I did have a lot of people out of Mexico not believing that I had the, the, the talent to even play at a college level. So there was a lot of people hating on me, hating on my game more so than anything. And they, you know, coaches, most part, they thought that I was going to be back in Mexico playing in the uh, professional league, but I never doubted myself. And uh, Eventually, my dad kind of started opening up his mind to basketball. And once he saw that I was pretty good, then he, he was mentoring me, uh, you know, on the basketball court and outside the basketball court. Uh, so they were part of all this, the, the decisions that I've made throughout my career. And, and then I, I also had great teammates and great coaches throughout my years that they also supported me, friends that, you know, they encouraged me to, to stay with it. As a Mexican kid migrating to the U.S., it was not easy. Every moment I wanted to go back to the thing that is most comfortable for me, which was going back to my country. But there was a lot of people that supported me. I cannot sit over here and say it was all me. It wasn't. I, I, I got the best from my coaches. I got a lot of support from my family and my friends uh, in Mexico and the U.S. So then you're, you're a star at Oklahoma. You know, you led them to the NCAA tournament four straight times. Then it happens. Eduardo Nahara, 38th overall pick by the Houston Rockets. Then you're traded to Dallas in the 2000 draft. And of course, first Mexican player drafted in NBA history. Take me back to that day of being drafted and all of the emotions that you went through. 
I was a little upset that I went to the second round, to be honest. I thought that my game was um, pretty good. I, I proved that I dominated college, the college level. However, you know, we went through that transition. The NBA started getting going younger, and they started kind of seeing the younger kids. Uh, and now you see it even more so because they, the NBA teams, they want to get a hold of that talent and teach them at a young age rather than go through college and then you have to still teach him. So it, it kind of, uh, in 2000, it kind of went that way. So they started overlooking the, the older guys coming out of college. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, you know, the draft was a great thing to a great process. It, it was a lot of emotions uh, because I, I knew that I had finally accomplished one of the first steps that I had in mind, which was getting drafted. I didn't really care for the, the plays that I got selected at because the fact is the draft only tells you where you start your NBA career. And that was my mindset. So as soon as they called my name, I mean, obviously I threw a, we had a draft party. I was excited. I was crying. I was, you know, full of emotions. But at the same time, I was uh, cognizant of the process that I was about to start. And, and to be honest, I did it for so many years. I mean, high school, I started from right on the bench, same in college. I mean, I wasn't playing as much. And I knew that when I got to the NBA, I had to work my butt off and fight for a spot on the roster. Luckily, I went to the, to the right team, a team that was full of international players, which was Dallas Mavericks. And that made my transition easier and, you know, I, I, I had an ego of just like any other NBA player. I, I felt that I could score, I could do so many things, but at the same time, I was smart enough to figure out that the things that, that the Mavericks needed was the defensive presence, the rebounding, the toughness, and the tenacity, and that's where I kind of concentrate on. And as a result, I ended up making the team and having a long career. And to go off the path of my questions a little bit, you know, we'll talk about you scouting and international players. You said how young the league is. I totally agree. Did you have a hand in looking at Luka Doncic and really bringing him over to the Dallas Mavericks? I wish I could say that it was all me. <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 I concentrate more, more on pro personnel. Uh, we do have international scouts, but a lot of credit goes, well, most of the credit goes to them. I did study Luka Doncic. Uh, I'm just as surprised as, as everybody else that he's, he's blossoming to a superstar at a, such a young age and so rapidly. Uh, we knew he was special, uh, but our president, Donnie Nelson, he was the one that make it, made it happen. Now, with that said, we did get a little lucky as well because to be able to make that trade, all the stars kind of aligned for the Dallas Mavericks. And... Yes, we had him ranked at number one, which I thought most teams in the NBA had Luca at number one. And just luckily, they passed on him. And obviously, Atlanta, uh, they, they wanted Trey Young, which I also did. He's an OU grad, <laughs> or, you know, he's a Sooner. So I, I can correlate to that. And I had him ranked pretty high <laughs> as well, Trey Young. And he's had a great career so far. But at the same time, you know, we knew that Luca 
had that winning mentality. He was going to help us build something special. And sadly enough, you know, we, we kind of talked about perhaps being better than Dirk at such a young age. And it's unfair because Dirk, you know, is probably the best European player in the history of the game so far. And we were comparing Luca, you know, to Dirk, but at the same time, we we're thinking about five to 10 years down the road, not in the first two years, but he just blew out and exploded. Uh, but at the end of the day, Mark Cuban had a lot to say in it. He, uh, he makes the decision, or the ultimate decision, and he was involved, and, and I'm just happy that we got a legit 6-8 point guard, or 6-7 point guard, uh, that has got us through the hump in such a short period of time. Most of the franchises, it'll take anywhere from three to five years to rebuild. I mean, if you want to take the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, they, they have so many losing years in, with us, and that's a lot of credit for Mark Cuban and our president and the international scouts and all the scouts because we made it happen uh, at a 